Welcome to the J Train Podcast. It's J Train, Jared Freed, coming alive from the quarantine cabin on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. We are here Mondays and Thursdays with your emails, your stories, your questions. I say it every episode. Let me say it again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That's how it all works. That's how the podcast game works. I don't got a commercial. I don't got a billboard. I got you. I got you, and I got to thank you because you guys tell your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your mamas, your papas, and it, 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 may, it is, it, it's what puts me to bed at night. I go, oh, the people are out there singing the, singing the word of J-Train, and I, it, we wouldn't be where we are today without you, so thank you. Let me now turn that around. If you haven't told a friend, if you haven't told a coworker, if you haven't made it your Instagram story, what are you doing? What are we doing? What are you doing? I need you, baby. I need you. And, and listen, summer's over. It's fall, baby. We're in it. Yup. Let me be the first one to tell you. Welcome to fall. Welcome to reality. People need podcasts right now. Now more than ever. I'll be that guy from the commercial. Now more than ever. You need a Toyota Camry. That's how I'm going to be that guy. Now more than ever, you need safety. You need dependability. Papa JT, the Wizard of Haas, the Salt and the Scream, the Board Lord, the Chairman of the Board. I'm here Mondays and Thursdays every week. I don't miss a week. I don't do best ofs. Okay? So you can trust me. Tell a friend, a coworker, a brother, a sister, a mama, a papa, anyone with ears. We'll even take the earless community. I'm very excited about today's guest. This is... I, I have to say, sometimes I get an email and I'm like, I am totally, I'm speechless because this next guest reached out to me and I'm like, I know that guy and he's, he's become, you know, we've started going back and forth. He is on Good Morning Football every weekday on NFL Network. He has a New York Times bestseller called Out of the Blue. He's on Twitter. He is the he's the he I I I, I the the senior national writer for FoxSports.com. Peter Schrager, thank you for coming on the show. The J Train. I can't believe I'm here. I'm excited. And yes, not only did I email you, but I emailed you during the middle of the pandemic when every podcast I typically listen to was down in the dumps, miserable, yeah. leaving me just with, you know, I listen to all the comedy podcasts. It's everyone whining that they don't have their dates. I listen to all the sports podcasts. Sure. Everyone whining they don't have their sports. And you were making me laugh. And I heard you on Fitzsimmons' podcast. So I started listening to all your podcasts. And I'm like, I like this dude. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the community. I think a lot of people are jumping on, dude. Shregs, I got to – can I call you Shregs? I feel yeah, like I we love both, that. I feel like we go back, way back already. I feel like we went to summer camp together somewhere I, in the early 90s. Yeah. I felt that Jewish vibe of gefilte fish vibe. I yeah. – that makes me so happy. The way you <laughs> told that story is how I want my story told. Yeah. He made me laugh during a hard time or during the, the sad. Because what we do here, these are luxury issues 95% of the time. And, it's the, and a lot of times with these emails that we get, it's like, who do you go to? Who can you trust? And, and it's very cool. And Greg Fitzsimmons, who's like a comedy legend to me, like the fact that you came from there uh, oh, I feel I, I am I am le- legitimately feeling uh, speechless. I, I well, gotta say thank you. That's how I that's how I want to be found. I'll be honest. I thought you know I, I all the com- I'm not a comedian. I'm not in stand up comedy, but I listen to all the comedy podcasts and I, I've told everything from Joey Diaz to yeah. Mark Norman and Joe List. And I was sure. late to you. I was late to you, but I knew your name because I think I saw you on like MTV a couple times. I was just familiar with your face. Then I heard you on that podcast, and I'll tell you, the tone and the tenor that you do this podcast, it feels like I'm listening with a lot of people who, and a lot of them are younger than me. Like, it's a different generation. I'm, I'm in my late 30s, and I feel like all these questions about Tinder and p- yeah. pandemic sex and all this stuff, like, I don't even have an idea. I'm married, and i am got a kid, but I'm, like, listening through the looking glass, listening to you guys, and I got to tell you, man, you do a great job hosting this thing. Dude, I really appreciate that. And listen, I, when I saw your name, I kind of got like a chill down. I was yeah. like, 
I've heard you on Cowherd. Yeah. I've heard you on Simmons. Yep. Like I've been, I've been listening to podcasts since they kind of first came out. Like I was in the I'm in the of the group and I'm around your age. I I I'm in the group where like I was taking 15 minute segments of Adam Carolla and <laughs> downloading them into my iPad iPod Nano to like bring out the next day. Like I was taking like radio shows and putting them on my iPod. Absolutely. I'm, and, I'm an, I'm an early podcast. I mean, I, everyone does the Mark Marin interview now, but like sure. early Mark Marin, I remember him interviewing carrot top and me being like, all right, I can listen to this for two hours. Let's get in <laughs> or him, him taking Gallagher to school back in like 2009 and me listening. Yeah, no, I'm in dude. Podcasts are where it's at. And these comedy podcasts are so good because my whole life professionally is football. So it's funny, like a lot of com comedians love football. I'm a football person who loves the comedy stuff. So, so I, I, I love to hear that. How did you, what, if you could give your like one minute mm -hmm. arc, like how, because I, that's the thing. Sometimes like, just like you're saying, like you're like, oh, I, I've seen you around if I'm interested in comedy. I'm a huge football fan. I, I, I football is like NFL's number one to me. So like, I know you from like, you know, again, Simmons and Cowherd. And then Good Morning Football, I would just have that on as the background of my day. Uh, how did you get to, like, what you're doing today? Like, where did you start? Like, where, yeah. where did it come from? Yeah. Um, so out of college, I went to Emory down in Atlanta. And you went I would, to Emory. This I is, did. I mean, we might have gone to camp together. We might have. We might have, dude. <laughs> or at least we hooked up with the same girl from Long Island. Um, I'm sure. I would say... Uh, no, I went to Emory, I graduated, I was like on the newspaper, did a radio show, did a TV show, and there actually was an ESPN reality show called ESPN Dream Job. Have you Hold ever heard of this show? Hold on, Shregs! Do you know this show? Are you kidding me? You're talking to the, the prince of reality TV, the bravo boy right here. I love that show. So... You were on that show? No. Oh, but I'll okay. Tell you the story. Tony Korn so Tony Kornheiser, his podcast, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, he was like a judge on the show. Yes. I, I remember this was so for the listeners at home. This was yep. American Idol. Absolutely. For going on Sports Center when Sports Center at the time yes. was like the only show. Like to be Stuart Scott was a dream. To be Dan Patrick. To be Ke uh, Keith Olbermann. Like so, the idea was you could sit in the chair on SportsCenter and I watched it because they also what I didn't know from this show mm -hmm. was how much sports knowledge you yes. had to have to work at ESPN like everyone thinks everyone's and they called it dream job mm -hmm. but everyone thinks when you see like there's I, I think Tony Kornheiser said like he gets asked a lot of times like hey I want, uh, give me advice. And he says, anyone that asks for advice wants my job. Yes. He goes, my job didn't exist when I was, he goes, I wanted to be a newspaper guy. So it is interesting when we think of like, I want to be that guy. And then like you hear like, well, ESPN gives you a SAT style test on your sports knowledge. I was like, oh my God. Like I had no idea. And like, what's his name? Stump the Schwab was yeah, like a big Schwab. part of the show. Yes. So like, so please, what, so you uh, right. try, okay. Let's do it. So 2004, all right, mm -hmm. I'm at Emory. I'm a senior. I'm graduating, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm studying for the LSATs. I'm doing all the visual stuff. All my friends are getting jobs at Goldman and Bear Stearns sure. and Lehman, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, all right, I don't want to be an investment banker. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a sports center anchor. And I would say that this era, like 2004, I went to – I was a uh, – 2003, I graduated high school – uh, so fall of 2003, I'm a freshman in college. This era was the, uh, if you're of a certain age, if you're of a, of a certain, like, I grew up in a suburb outside of a city archetype, you're like, I'm going to the banks. That is the easy, <laughs> that is that is the straight shot to a million bucks. And so I understand what you're saying, because everyone would talk about it, like, what, you know, what I'm going to be in economics, but you're in communication, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, everyone says that there's like privilege and there's like, yeah, because I saw it firsthand that there was guys that I saw at school that I didn't think were that intelligent working for six figures the first year in school. I'm like, I am certain there's someone who doesn't look exactly like that, that can do this job probably better, but that person didn't. 
didn't get that job. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, also to, like, to go <laughs> off of that, you know, the ability to do a free internship in New York City, that's yes. not, that nothing is free. So Live at the uh, NYU dorms, yes. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. But okay. I, uh, so I, I lined up in Atlanta outside something called the ESPN Sports Zone, which is another archetype to a different to a different the restaurant, time. the old restaurant. The ESPN old used rest- to have a restaurant. Yes, it used to be like you know a Hard Rock Cafe in every city, and you'd have a memorabilia of like, look, there's Chris Chandler's old football jersey in a frame. <laughs> um, and I'm lining up there in 90 degree heat, and we go through the line. Like you said, it's American Idol, and back when American Idol was like Carrie Underwood, and there'd be thousands of yeah. thousands of people per city, and it was that popular. And Kevin Frazier, who's now either on Access Hollywood yes. or E. He was the celebrity guy and you had to go and do a segment with him in the audition. I do the audition. I do pretty well. Take the test to get a perfect score. The test you're alluding to. Yeah. And then they come to me like, all right, you're going to make the next round. I make the next round. We go then to like a hotel ballroom where it's like the top 30 people in Atlanta. I go to the next round. I get to the third round. I don't make the show. And I speak to a guy named Al Jaffe, who at the time yeah, like ran that's talent. That's a big name. Ran talent at NFL or at, at uh, ESPN. And Howie Schwab was in the room. And they were like, you know, you didn't get picked, but keep with it and stay in touch. And I said, listen, I'll be completely honest with you. I have no interest in being a Sports Center anchor. My hero, the guy I like to read, is Bill Simmons. And yeah. Bill Simmons is on page two which was on ESPN.com and he writes 7,000 word articles where he read, responds to emails and just writes about his thoughts on Karate Kid and all this stuff. And I'm like, I want to do that. I don't necessarily want to read highlights from the Grizzlies Nuggets game last night. And Got like, ya. All right. Um, okay. Well, let's, I'm like, let me get your email address. So I'm being proactive. I follow up. I follow up Howie Schwab, the guy you referenced, who was the research and stat guy. He knew me. everything. He knew, knew every. Yeah, they had. An, they actually had another show called Stump the Schwab, which I remember yes. before, where where you would try to. He was like the. You'd go against him in the Win final Benstein's round. Win Benstein's money, whatever it was. It was. Like that. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. That, which is another reference that's probably dating us, dude. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, I I email these guys and they tell me that hey, we're actually going to be launching something called Page Three, which you've probably never heard of, but Page no. Three is another website on ESPN for the next generation and the younger generation. And I was like, done. Got paid next to nothing, came out of college, lived with my parents for that first year and just wrote every single day on this website. And eventually Fox Sports was launching their website and they said, we'd like to bring you on. I did freelance for them. And then eventually one year after another year and all this stuff, I had full-time jobs at the time. I was freelancing. Like there was crazy, working for hospitals, working for a PR firm. I was doing all sorts of things. Eventually, my big break was the book you just referenced, uh, Victor Cruz, who was a New York Giants player. UMass graduate. Great player. UMass Uh, graduate. A former UMass football player, which unheard of. One double A. Yeah. One double A. He goes on, has this amazing year for the New York Giants. And as I was freelancing for Fox, I'd gotten to know him. I had gotten to know a few other people. I was following the Giants quite a bit. This is 2011, and basically Victor gets handed a giant book deal, all right, out of nowhere. And he's 23 years old. He's a player that came out of nowhere. And the publisher was like, let's give Victor, you know, 10 writers to do this book with, and all of them are going to be, you know, guys who cover the Giants, whether they be, you know, old New York Post guys or New York Daily News guys. And I heard about this going on, and I'm like, that's my, I got to write that book. I got to write that book. I love this guy's story. I'm from Jersey. My mother grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, where Victor's from, and I'd gotten to know Victor, and I'm like, Uh just let me get a shot. So I meet with Victor, and he's like, you're the dude, and you're the guy. And I got to write this book with him about his life. What a break. What an amazing opportunity. uh, It was everything. And And how old are you at the time? So, like, if he's 23, how old are you? 30. And, and for, but but that's the thing where it's like 28 pro- maybe but I, I would assume the other people on that list are older yes. giants cruddy whatever they are not to not to besmirch them no but like, of course not those guys are heroes speak? of mine too but he sure sit with a 55 year old guy in an office instead i would go over victor's house every single day for about three months while we wrote this book i'd turn my recorder on we would get Wendy's, we would drive around, we would just hang out and he would just talk to me about his life. And then I would go wow. back on the back end and put it in his words and run it by him. Does this sound good? Does this sound good? And he became a best friend of mine and it was great. And he Amazing. was this huge breakout star. And one thing led to another from that where Fox Sports was like, all right, this is good. Why don't we put you on the sidelines for a couple of games, being like an Aaron Andrews or a Pam Oliver. Sure. 
did that. And then Inside the NFL, which is a show I grew up watching. At the time, it was Chris Collinsworth and yeah. James Brown and Phil Showtime. Sims. Showtime. You got yeah, it. Yeah, I know. They're like, we want to bring you on, man. It's like the reporter. It's like the young voice. And so I got my licks. I got my 10,000 hours. Now, now you're getting TV time. Now, now you're getting, getting TV yeah. time. And, bro, I did, I did games. I did FS1. And then finally, Good Morning Football in 2016, um, the producer's name is Michael Davies, really talented guy. He's in two suits, the two suits guy. You got it. Men in Blazers. I know everything. I, men in Blazers. Men in Blazers. Yeah, Men in Blazers. He, that's a huge hit podcast that became a show about soccer, or as they would call it, football. And this guy, Michael Davies, also does Watch What's Happening Live on Bravo. And I also love, did. I am, and, they, and I have, you know how many times I've pitched a show where I am doing a show and I, About watch what's happening live. Well, <laughs> the, the, the pitch is always I'll tape it in a closet, just like watch what happens. There you live. go. Because they tape all their shows in and a room this big. In a room this exactly. So, and I always center it around I could do this show in a closet, like watch what happens live, like Men in Blade. Yeah, that that they they're known for that. This guy, Michael Davies, also created uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back with Regis back when. So anyway, this guy's a genius. And I so get he's an email. doing okay, yeah. Yeah, he's doing fine, <laughs> and he's a genius, but his whole thing is let's be asymmetrical. So just like Watch What's Happening Live took Andy Cohen, who was an executive at Bravo, and said, you're sure. going to be the on-camera host, and now look what Andy Cohen is. He said with us with Good Morning Football, I don't want the typical show where it's going to be ex-player, ex-player, um, person that tosses and reads off prompter. Let's just have four people who would be friends. Yeah. Let's throw them together and see what happens. So. I didn't even audition for it. I knew Nate Burleson, who is a former player, who's my co-host. I knew Kyle Brandt. I hadn't met Kay Adams, who's a, one of the hosts of our show as well. And they said, this is an opportunity for you. Thankfully, my bosses at Fox said, you can do stuff with us on the weekend. You can do that during wow. the weekdays. It has been a game changer. It's the greatest job of my life. Every morning from 7 to 10 in the morning, we talk football. And, you know, it's been all, everyone says, it's an overnight success. You did this. Where'd you come from? All this stuff. But Jared, as you know, no, that's not how it works. This is an absolute I, grind, and I yeah. had to live on on couches, and we I had to have the, the roommates in it. the East Village with four people living in an apartment, and they're making more money than me, and I've got to make rent work. Like, this is what it is. And everyone who's of their 20s or early 30s is like, I want your job. I'm like, my job only came about because of what Malcolm Gladwell says is 10,000 hours, but also because a hundred other opportunities didn't work out for me. Yeah, went of for. course. So and, and here's where we're at. This is, I love the story because this is a lifestyle advice show. I, you know, I don't know anything. Uh, you don't know any, like we don't know anything from anything. We're just saying our perspectives and, and giving it. And there's someone sitting at home wondering what the fuck am I going to do? And hearing that they're going to go, Okay, that should that that should turn the wheels for people. Like if you're if you're lost, you're not sure. Am I on the right track? Whatever the track is, as long as you're moving, gets you where you want to be. Yeah, like, dude, you're, you're you're right, and it inspires me. And I'll say this: like the other big thing I've learned, and I'm sure you're this way in your industry. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Like, don't be an asshole. Like, be a decent person. I listened to your yeah. guest from from last week, Josh Gondelman. Uh -huh. I don't know him from Adam. Sounds like a wonderful guy. I want to work with that guy. I, right. Like, and, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's legitimately <laughs> one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yes. And, and, and there's a reason that he's the EP or the, you know, the co-EP on Jesus and Marrow. Like, there's a reason for that. Like, it all yes. makes sense. People want to work with him, I'm sure. People want to work with you. And, you know, as individually based as our careers are, because no one is going to, at the end of the day, say, you know, I had success because of that. It was like, you just, if you're a decent person, doors will open. And I think yeah. if you're hardworking and you're a nice person to work with, people want to work with you. So hopefully that's my advice for anyone in our industry. That, it, it, that could be any industry. And I'm so happy you're here because I am a fan of Good Morning Football. I, you can feel that all four of you are friends or get along well. I don't think you guys are at each other's house every weekend. Yeah, no. But I, I, I would assume it feels you can feel the relationship is good, especially with football. I'm a football fan, uh -huh. but you meet you meet some football fans, and it is like, it's like you're taking this too seriously. <laughs> like 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 I'm like I I I mean like you guys, it becomes religion for a lot of people or politics, and it's like you guys don't. I like the the point of view on the show. It is very much like 
This is fun. This is enjoyable. We love football. We're going to talk about it. We'll get serious about it, but it's never like personal or there's a good vibe. And I'll tell you what's the coolest thing about our show. So it's on from 7 to 10 on the NFL Network every morning. So in every building, and I'm talking about buildings, 32 NFL buildings, the Buccaneers, the Raiders, the Giants, it's on in the building. So I have developed great relationships with coaches around the league, with players around the league. Oh, yeah. As they're getting their ankles taped or as they're winding down in the locker room, they're watching our show. It's like the house band of the NFL. Like, it's on. You're Kevin Eubanks. We're Kevin Eubanks. It's Pat Kiernan on New York One, like, in the morning. Like, that's what it is. And it's on. So the, the feedback we get is, you guys seem to actually like football. You're not you're not hot take artists, and in our industry, a hot take is someone saying yeah. LeBron James isn't clutch or Cam Newton isn't isn't smart enough to win the big game. And it's like something you put out there so that people are gonna want to click on it, and then it adds to clickbait. Clickbait. You get what, I, you get what it's, it is. It's, it's the same the, thing. It's the bullshit of this world. Nuance and context are the most interesting thing. That's why you're listening to Mark Marin with Carrot Top. You yes. don't want to hear Carrot Top is is a hack you want to hear yes. how did he get into this how did yes. he get to how what made him you know whittle a, a brick into a funny <laughs> thing like you know so i'm with you i gotta say I, I i you always popped off the screen to me because i am a broad-shouldered yeah um bigger guy and when i go on tv i look at myself and i'm like what do they do like i'm always aware of how i'm sitting on the camera I'm acutely aware of where you sit on Good Morning Football because Kay and Nate and and Kyle, they're all like square jaw. (laughs) Like, you know, Kyle's a soap opera star. And then they put you on the end. I want you in that center seat. How tall are you? You told me before, but. Six foot three. Six foot three should never be on that corner seat. I need you facing the camp they're doing you an injustice okay that's an interesting take now look, I, I don't want to put you i don't want to put you in a position but this is my feeling no look I, I i i look in the mirror i feel pretty good about myself but then all we hear on twitter is how handsome kyle is how beautiful Kay is and what a stud nate is i i feel like i'm the fourth banana on the show and yet i look in the mirror and i feel pretty good about things dude i'm right. looking at you right now and you're not a good looking dude. You're a great looking dude. I feel it. And and, and I you got great hair. You got you got you got the you got the build. And I'm like, you're getting. The, I need. We gotta find a, a fatter person than you to go on the show. <laughs> I I I will petition. I want to start a petition. dot uh, org. What do they call those? Like where you can. I need someone bigger than you on the show. Change.org. Yeah. Yes. No, this is I'm, this is the this petition is I'm starting. This is it. Um. It's funny that you say about our show, though, like, literally, like it, the whole reason our show works, and I think you can appreciate this as a comedian being in those green rooms and mm. on these Zooms, we bust balls. Like, we bust yeah. balls. Like, Nate is this rev- like revered player who everyone loved, 11 years in the league, was on your fantasy yeah. team, was in your Madden game. And we treat Nate like he's just another guy that we go to work with every day. And, you know, I love today – it's tough because we're on, we're, we're doing these Zoom shows now, which everything's a little different. But you yeah. know, yesterday, and and there there was a very like very poignant story told by Kyle Brandt about how his white six year old son worships the the Black Panther, and how he had to have a conversation with his son uh, about Chadwick Boseman's tragic passing, and how he said, and, and it was this like very like deep story and it resonated and it went viral and it was like special. It was like a good, mm-hmm. good moment for the show because it went beyond football and it talked about parenthood and it's kind of why our show is different. But while Kyle was doing it, he was also wearing his son's Black Panther like t-shirt. And to, I waited a day and today I had to like be like, Kyle, it was a great take, but like, th- did you have to wear your kid's Halloween costume on air? And everyone's <laughs> right because it was like, that's what yeah. you would do with your friend. And that's what of you would course. say. You would wait the day because, of course, the moment yeah. and the thing. Like, but let's get back to the fact you wore a kid's medium T-shirt on television. Like, what was that all about? <laughs> think- we are seeing so eye to eye. I feel like sometimes <laughs> sometimes I, I have people. We I, To let the listeners know, we just – this is the first time we spoke, and I am <laughs> – I am such a Peter Schrager uh, <laughs> fan. I, I'm so happy you're here. 
We are sponsored, people. The J Train Podcast is brought to you by Native Deodorant. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native. I, guys, Native is great. I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I date a, a woman and I live with a woman who, is, who ha- has always cared more than I did about the things that she's putting on her skin and in her body and all, just wants all natural. And she was a natural deodorant user. And I got, and I said, and I used to make fun of her to no ends. I was like, this natural deodorant's no good. And then Native came along and I was like, switch this in. You know, what do, what is, what do we have to lose here? Well, all we have to lose is the funk that you're walking around with. And she made the switch. And then I said, as part of this, I'll make the switch. We love it. We, we love Native Deodorant and it works. It works, it works, it works. And it smells fresh, as fresh as the ingredients that they use to make it. You do feel better about putting this on. It's an all-natural deodorant that is safe and effective. Aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating. That's why Native never uses ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, and talc. It's made with ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice an odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. I will speak to that. I'm wearing it right now. I love it. With over 10 cents, including rotating seasonals. I love the seasonals. Native has something for everyone. Their most popular classic scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, citrus and herbal. I'm a cucumber and mint guy. I love that. It, it, mint because I think when you smell mint, you're actually like woken up. I think that's like the beginning of a day. So the cucumber and mint's where I get, I, I really love it. So the best part Native, there's no risk to try. Native has free shipping and free returns in the U.S. Do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com slash JTrain or use code JTrain during checkout and get 20, 20, 20, 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com. Use code JTrain, JTrain, JTrain during checkout. Native deodorant, take care of your body. Are you ready? Let's do some emails. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. I love it. I'm just waiting want, for it. I want everyone to go follow uh, Peter. He's on Twitter. You're not on Instagram, are you? I, I, I'm so grateful. I'm not on Instagram, and I know you're okay. trying to work that TikTok game. I'm not on TikTok either, uh, dude. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to tell everyone to go follow you on Twitter. It's P Shrags, P-S-C-H-A-R-A-G-S. It's going to be on all of my social media. Yes. Go follow Peter Schrager do you at need, P Shrags. Do you need to know my life situation before we get to the emails? I've got... Well, I, I, I think that's a good point. You're okay. right. I want to get into it because it's wife and kid. It's not single guy patrolling the streets in the city, okay? I get it. I get it. I, yeah, I, they used to call you the patroller. I, I get it. <laughs> You're in a different phase of life. Um, no, but I, I do think it's important. And also, before we get into uh, Peter's uh, family life, go watch Good Morning Football. Make that the background noise of your day. You're sitting at home. You're doing work from home. I turn it on. I have it on mute. I go back in and out of it. It is such a, a mo- I, I got to say, just like this podcast, I, I think your show does a great job of giving levity and being fun. So good morning, football on NFL Network. Um, you're married. You got kids. How old are your kids? How long have you been married? And how did you meet your significant other? All right. I've been married to my wife, Erica, for seven years now, and we have a three-year-old son. So we got one kid. We live in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm gone during the football season a whole lot in a typical year traveling. So she's a godsend for basically raising that kid alone on the weekends in the fall because I'm at a different NFL stadium or I'm in, a, in L.A. for Fox. So uh, that's our situation. How we met is a story that is right in line with a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, who live in the East Coast. Um, seven years ago, my, or when, 10, 11 years ago, my buddy from college, we were all single. We were living good lives, having fun in New York, whatever. He's yeah. like, let's do one of those share houses in uh, Fire Island. Wow. Fire, Fire Island. Island. Oh, please. Let, okay. For the listeners across our Explain great nation. Explain what that means, And in the Jared. world. 
Fire Island is a an island off of New York. Basically, how far? An hour away? Two. Yeah, it's about a, a two hour, an hour away from New York, but you got to take like a thirty minute ferry ride out there. So you got to take a ferry because they don't allow cars on the island. So basically, a bunch of people tossing money of a certain age twenty. I would say twenty two to thirty. They're tossing money into the center, and they're getting a house together. And the whole group goes out there for the weekend back and forth from the city to Fire Island. Now, when you do that also, Fire Island is a very big... First of all, it has a big gay scene, yep. which is great. And then, and so that is like a whole other element that like is fun and well, amazing. There's different parts of the island. So that that's, you know, it's everywhere, obviously, and that's great. But that's there's a big focus of that in... One part of the island. I'm, I'm talking Ocean Beach, which is like all your so, 20-somethings. So the 20-somethings that are, the, I guess, the, the heterosexual part of the island is, um, or, what you know, but the this part of the island, women love Fire Island. <laughs> they, they love it because they'll say the same thing. And I've been saying this for years. If you mention Fire Island, they'll go, oh, I love it. You can wear flats at the bar. Like that. <laughs> That's all women talk about. When Fire Island comes up, they're like, oh, it's casual. Because the whole game for women, and this is a separate game than men play, is that 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 their whole thing is they don't want to be known as a Hamptons person. They don't want they if you go to Fire Island. There's a stigma to the Hamptons. There's a stigma to the Hamptons, and they want to make sure that they are adorned in the stigma of being a chill, relaxed girl who wears bar on Fire Island. Yeah, I, I know the deal. Because a lot of girls doth protest too much. They turn into this like Fire Island um, mascot. They're like, oh my God, I don't do the Hamptons. I go to Fire Island because I like flats at the bar and I like to wear jeans and a t-shirt and I don't need to get all dressed up. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure I could find a place in the Hamptons that I don't need to get dressed up. Like you don't have to do this. But I, I, I this is my love of my life is hearing women explain to me oh who God. they are via Fire Island. You are so good, dude. This is, this is <laughs> so like, the Hamptons thing, I never did the share house in the Hamptons. A, I couldn't afford it. B, it's all finance guys yeah. and, you know, whoever. And, the, you know, and then the scenes at night at the Hamptons, for the most part, it's 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 Tiesto and it's $20,000 tables. It's just and the whole different. Thing. It, yeah. yeah. Fire this Island is, is, is as tacky as it might be. It's, you know, the black eyed peas and it's going to be Bon Jovi and Journey, sure. you know. There's so, a little more fist bumping going yeah, on there. Yeah, it's like the Jersey Shore, a little bit different. So you have this this share house, which is basically five guys who are friends meet up with five random girls, and it's a friend of a friend from college who's a friend mm-hmm, of a friend mm-hmm. from high school, and everyone gets together. And my wife Erica was the last girl to arrive. She got there at like 9:30. She walked in, love at first sight. I'm like, ah, that's who I want to hook up with. That's who I want to be with. Talked wow. to her for the first night, whatever, and then. We started talking when we got back to the city, and then it was, it's been that ever since. So it's been like one of those deals where people say, you know, what a summer love and whatever. Like it was right away, and we never missed a beat. So it's a good story. So I have this. So to relate my own life to this, I just moved in with my girlfriend at the I'm beginning aware. of the summer. How's that going? And it's going great. We're having a fun time. We almost laugh about how natural it's been to like live together. But I, how, you know, my girlfriend. Erica must be an independent, very independent. Yes. You're going on the road. Like, how did the dynamic of that work out? Was, that a, was it ever hard? Yeah, and, and here's the two key things with her, and I, I always, in my head, I'm grateful for. When I was freelance writing and not making any money and hustling mm-hmm. gig to gig, she was right there with me being my biggest champion, yeah. being like, no, you could do it. Like, I think it's cool you could do it. When, She's a beautiful woman living in New York City. She could be dating a 40-year-old hedge fund guy if she wanted sure, to. Sure, there were so options. Like, there were other options for her than to be with me who's writing a 500-word article on why the Eagles running backs are actually going to be better than the Steelers running backs this year. You know, And like, I have to say, I understand the idea of having – you have to have someone who will understand yes. that that's not a small thing to you. Writing the 500 words, you are like, this is my career. This is what I believe – I wouldn't do this if I didn't believe it got me to the next place that I want to be. And that's hard because I'll go to like shows at six o'clock. I'm doing shows in Central Park. I, I know. No, Mike. And I and, and she go and like I feel very lucky where Jess will go. 
go. Yeah, you got to do it. Of course, got to. You know, so that's a hard thing to find. I understand that. I think anybody in the creative world needs to have a champion at all levels, not just after you get the podcast or you get the TV show or the pilot or whatever. So that's one thing. Secondly, like you said, independent, but not only independent in that she has her own interests and all these things. She's as hardworking as anyone I know and has a whole career of her own. So she's driven in a different way where we both can kind of overlap and our worlds do intersect in a little bit, but she's in advertising and design. And it's like, I've, I watch her on a conference call run, run shit. And I'm like, all right, that's not, that's something I could never do, you know, or I see her in her element. So just total respect. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's been great. And the fact that I'm gone all the time and she doesn't hold it over my head or the fact I go to Indianapolis for the NFL combine for a week every March after the season and she doesn't see me while I'm out till two in the morning drinking and eating with Sean McVay all night. Uh, you're out, I, yeah, you're I out there having that. shrimp cocktail. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I get it. No, yes. listen, I'm pumped to have you. This is amazing. Let's do the emails. I don't wanna Let's I go. don't want us to get Train Podcast at gmail.com, Train Podcast at gmail.com here with Peter Schrager. At P Schrags on Twitter. Go, go, go. Good morning football. She keeps trying to set me up with a mutual friend. Now, I, I chose this email. For a very specific reason, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the email. I am 33, have a friend since childhood who is particularly bad at setting me up. Her criteria for a potential match is any single guy that strolls into her life <laughs> that is nice without t- taking into account my lifestyle or attraction. Don't get me wrong. These guys are all very nice and have turned out to be great boyfriends and husbands for someone else. Her and her boyfriend have been trying for... Uh, her and her boyfriend have been friends for years before they started dating and have taken upon themselves to try and set me up with another mutual friend of ours. The guy that they want me to set me up with, I've known for 10 plus years. My normal tactic for turning down these setups is just giving a soft no until she gives up. Uh, But in this instance, she is more persistent, even saying it's so great dating your friend because she was dating her friend. I get it. I have no idea if this guy is interested in me romantically, and frankly, I don't want to know. I care for him, and I don't want to know want to hurt his feelings. What is a pragmatic way to approach the situation? And as a bonus, what can I say to get my friend to never try and set me up again? <laughs> um, it does. I mean, you kind of get the feeling after knowing this person probably for this time whether it's going to click or not. Even if you were never set up before, I would think that you would know. So I would say let's avoid any awkwardness and get out right from the go and be like, I know this person. A, I don't even think he likes me or he hasn't made any advances of his own. And B, there are a million different possible people out there. This one has been here all along. If it hasn't happened yet, it might not happen. Why are we forcing it? Yeah, and I I, I don't think you need to have like a team meeting. You know, like this doesn't have to be like everyone sit down. Let me tell everyone that I don't want to fuck our friend. Like I I don't think that needs to be done. But I I think it's interesting. um, Like you've been with your wife for seven years. There, I sometimes feel that someone that's been in a relationship, this becomes like their fun thing. They don't realize how serious this is for this woman. Like I think, like I, I think like when someone's been married a long time, yes. or like there, there is this sense that you're like, oh, these are my, these are my puppets. Like these are, this is a fun. It's it, a fun it, game. It's, it's something to do. It's like playing categories or something. Like, yeah, like like that. as you get. Yeah, as you get longer into a relationship, are there people in you and your wife's life that are single that you're like, like, is hearing their stories fun? Like, is it like, that's what I kind of assume from this. We've got several still single and several men and women on both sides, like friends and everything. And, and, And I think those first few years of us two dating, we wanted to set each other's friends up and all this stuff. But like, my friend group hasn't expanded a whole bunch now that I'm in my yeah. late 30s. It's kind of like yeah. pretty solid how it's going to be. And if it didn't happen then, I don't think suddenly it's going to snap. But if there was a, a, a woman that came across our lives that we thought we could set our friend up with, that was good, fine. But if it's a friend that they've known for a long time and it hasn't happened yet, I would say that. I'll say this thing about like being like married and I, I never got into Tinder. I never got into Bumble or any of that stuff. I'll be with sure. my single guy friends. And I would like to take a little gander at that thing. I, I get a thrill. I've, seen it. I've never seen it. So my friend yeah. Mike or my friend Drew, they'll start going. I'm like, so you basically, like, I'm fascinated by it. And I, and I don't want to sound patronizing to them because they're still looking for sure. women to spend their rest of their lives with. But I'm like, bring out the Tinder. I want to see it. Like, I think it's a cool I, thing. Well, 
that is that is exactly what I'm talking about because I think to someone who's married, like when you like, let me play with the app. Let yes. me see what this is. Like there is some fantasy about it. So I think what this emailer has to understand, it, and for you when you're like with your single buddies, like and it's dudes, it's not as like detrimental. It's not as like 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 sometimes I think for women it feels like the clock is running, and if you use their phone to like have fun swiping. The clock is still moving. Yep. Like for the guys, it's not really thought of in that way. And so I think for this woman, I think she has to impart to the woman in the relationship, not the guy. I don't think she has to have a team meeting, but impart to her like, hey, I, I, I appreciate how much you guys are looking for someone for me. But this is like kind. This is actually more serious to me than maybe you know. Like mm. you, when you bring up a person, it's distracting. I, I know you're not meaning to waste my time, I know, but I'm like, I'm 33. I'm looking to find someone. This guy has been a friend for 10 plus years. I, I know that maybe you guys think it'd be cute and make your life simple. And boy, this is the rom-com where you're the star of the movie, but I have to be the star of this movie. And right now you're making me feel like the kooky friend who can't find a guy who can't see it in front of her the whole time. Like, you know, in the movie, it's like the two hot people get together and then it's like they're treating her like, oh, wait a minute. Our two nerd friends never thought of this. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. They thought of it. And the other thing about this, and she's saying she writes something very specific. The guy they went to set me up with, I've known for 10 years. My normal tactic is turning down these setups, just uh, giving a soft no. If I've known someone 10 years and then all of a sudden I'm getting floated this idea and they're being persistent about it, I think he might have floated the idea that he might be attracted to you. Okay. I would be careful of that. So, again, I think you need to like somehow you have to make them your Switzerland or make them your Normandy to slip messages to the opposing side. So, like, I think she needs to let them know, like, hey, I need this thing to stop. And, like, for the future, this is something that's serious to me. I'm not just looking to, like, meet any and all takers. And I'm not saying that the friend, the mutual friend for that long is, like, recycled goods. But I do think it's different if it's someone that this, this girl knows as opposed to, wow, we met this great person who you don't know. Totally. And we thought Absolutely. of you immediately. And yeah. this is the perfect, that's fresh, that's new. But if it's someone that's been, they've been in contact with for 10 years and now suddenly, wait a second, that, this might work. I don't think, there's nothing fresh to that. That's also a thoughtful setup. And I, I think you and I both knows, uh, know as, as young Jewish men, you get literally every Jewish person's like, you're a Jew, that's a Jew, go make another yep. Jew. Like it, it doesn't yep. matter what the background or personality, Jews just set up Jews. So like, I think we both understand the idea of feeling like they've taken one thing about us, in her case, just that she's a single woman who's just 33. Just single, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so we understand that, 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 that strife. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Here with Peter Schrager, at P. Schrags. Go, go, go right now. Watch Good Morning Football. I want to do this one. First kiss confusion. I got a divorce early this year and I'm dating for the first time in a decade. This is from a dude. I've been, I've, um, I've been seeing this woman for three months now. Things have been moving slowly due to COVID. And we had our third date last Sunday. The date went great. I planned out a picnic with charcuterie board. All hail the board, Lord. Ooh, good work. And we talked for four hours. Uh, at the end, I got a bit awkward and stuttered over my words. Eventually told her I admired her and asked if she was comfortable kissing during COVID. We did. It was great. She was enthusiastic before saying, okay, we need to stop. Mm. That threw me off a bit. She seemed happy afterwards. The date ended and she responded to, uh, well to my I had a good time text later that day. My question is, what is the deal with saying we need to stop kissing? Did I do something wrong? I know I'm a little out of practice with dating right now. Am I reading too much into this? We probably won't get to a date for, for a few weeks since we are both busy. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I thought it sounds great, especially if he texted afterwards and she responded well yeah. to it. I wouldn't overthink it. I, I, would, I would imagine that She's just taking it slower and that's okay. But uh, it is, it's a little alarming that they're not seeing each other for another two weeks. Is that a work-related thing? Or what, how do you know? I mean, you got to figure it out. And if it's 
in a pandemic, and I understand everyone's sensitive to that, but I wouldn't overthink it if she responded to your text and you're still in contact. If she ghosted you and went completely dark, I would say, all right, maybe this isn't, isn't such a great situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I actually think um, I think what you said is completely right. I would, I would, I would look for like – I know you want to like get the fourth date in, and, and I, he's kind of maybe stuck on like the scoring of this thing. Let's do something casual. Let's make something happen quickly. Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I was kind of planning on – I had something open up. Let's, I would try your best to be not busy because it sounds like he likes this girl. Yeah. What I will also say, date three, when you kiss someone and they say, okay, we need to stop, to me, I take that as they are personally invested in me. Mm. Like Because I, I think a lot of men think that like there's no horn dog in a woman. And there is a horn dog and a woman. She's saying, okay, we need to, I would assume, uh, and maybe this is my ego or whatever, if I was kissing a woman and it was our third date and she goes, okay, okay, I can't. It's that she got so hot from the kiss that like she's afraid of like going further and, and kind of ruining this. I would, I would take that as a symbol that she is uh, mentally invested in me. What, d- does that make any sense to you? Yeah, look, if, if she didn't, if she wasn't into you, she wouldn't have responded to the text. And furthermore, yeah. like you say, she would have maybe, I don't know, done more on the first day. And so that was that, fine. Or just stopped it altogether. But I would say you're in a good spot. Don't worry about it. Yeah, not to say you should assume that. I'm saying, like, to me, I would say that as a I like you sign, not an a get me away. And they're responding to the text and all that stuff. We are sponsored, people. The J Train Podcast is sponsored by Ritual. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But even if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. They've tested their formula so that it's easily absorbed by the body. Science-backed isn't just a buzzword at Ritual. It's the standard. I gave these to Jess and she loves them. Um, I think what they said in the in the copy I just read is correct. You have days that you're killing it. You have days that you're getting all the essentials. And then you have days you don't. To me, for me, today, I'm probably not going to get it. That's why I take a multivitamin. That's why I wake up in the morning and I make sure, let me get the things in my body that I know I want to be there no matter what. And I think ritual is a great way to do that. I also believe in the 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 mental uh, benefit of starting your day with, again, to bring up the name of the company, a ritual. To start the day with a ritual that puts you on the right path towards feeling better. And I think a multivitamin does that. You can't eat a pound of kale a day. Rituals Essentials fills in the gaps in your diet so you get everything from D to omega-3, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients. If you hate taking pills, this is for you. No more choking down pills. Ritual is just too easy to take capsules full of nine nutrients. Their no-nausea capsule is designed to be gentle on empty stomachs. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh. I love that. So you don't get fishy aftertaste common with most omega-3s. From D3 to omega-3, Rituals Essential for Women helps fill the gaps in a woman's diet. A subscription is easy to start, only a dollar a day, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering my listeners 10, 10, 10, 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essentials for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash JTrain to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash JTrain. JTrain podcast at gmail.com. JTrain podcast at gmail.com here with peter schrager at p schrags go 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 on twitter good morning football <laughs> husband trouble uh, okay i'm going to a husband hate to hear for it. husband trouble okay my husband tried to make a career change over the past two years he has had he has not had luck in the field he has chosen I'm trying to be supportive, but how do you tell your spouse he needs to step it up and figure out a new career path? We are both in our late 30s and have and want to have children, but I really don't want to start a family with him if he cannot step up and recognize he needs to get a steady job. 
How do I confront him about this without emasculating him? I have a very steady job, and I'm up for a promotion. I just want him to have the same drive as me. I feel like I should note that we we were married three years ago. Uh, I feel like I should note that we were married three years ago, and he had a steady income and great job that he loved before being let go. My husband has said he wants to follow his new career path, but it honestly seems like a dead end. We have dumped our life savings into his new career with no result, and I'm frustrated because it's all gone and nothing to show for it. His parents also corner me and call me and ask me if we're okay money-wise. I always say yes, we are fine, even though I know we could use the financial help. Do I tell his parents what is really going on, or do I continue to stay everything is totally fine, even though I know that, uh, that it isn't? I can also tell my family and friends are also judging him because they know my desire to have children, and I keep telling them we need financial security before going down the kid path. Help. This is a tough one, but it Oof. also, you know, this is, uh, this is in line with the things we talked about with, you know, having a supportive spouse. It's, it, and I under, everything she's saying, I feel her. I, 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 I feel what, you know, the passion in the email for, like, we're in a situation here. What do you think, Peter Schrager? Well, I, I look, I, you know, I, I waited five years to propose to my wife when I probably should have proposed after two years because I was so concerned about the financial elements of it and that I wasn't going to be able to provide or support. And I had yeah. this, this career that was so scattershot and was, you know, project-based and was this to that. And then eventually I said, oh, well, you got to either shit or get off the pot here on this one. Now, having a kid's a whole other different story. I feel for this for this for this lady right here. I feel for her because she's been supportive for two years, and I think that's a good amount of time. And yet, there's nothing to show for it. I I would think that this has to be a real conversation with the husband, though. Like, what does he want in yeah. life? And if it's not clicking yet in this career, whatever it be, it might be he's trying to I don't know sell sell Ginsu knives. I don't know. But if it's not sure. working yet, and you've put 36 months into it, or as much as he's put 24 months into it there might need to be a come to Jesus moment where you say, what are we doing here? Because at some point you just need to provide and we need to yeah. have a job. Not to give up the dream, you can still pursue it in other ways, but if there's absolutely zero dollars coming in and it's all on her and you're, the whole rest of your life is waiting on whether or not he has an income. I don't know. I, I hate putting the onus on the on the gentleman in this situation, but if, if she's feeling so insecure about it and she's kind of waiting on the rest of their life to unfold, there might need to be a conversation. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you about this. Does there feel like a point where you and your wife became because I, I would assume became somewhat business partners as well? Does it, is there a feeling of that like financially like or is like because right now it feels like she's in a business partnership where they don't talk to each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. Be, yeah. like the idea that like there's a practical side to marriage where it's like, hey. What are our bills? What are our mortgage? What is what are we spending each week? What can we afford? Like, right? Like, absolutely. I mean, look, those conversations. Even, you're, you know, I don't have to put it on you, but you guys are renting a place together. That's the first yeah. time where it's like, all right, how are we dividing this? Are we going half and half? Am I paying for all of it? Or what are we doing? What about the bills? What about the cable? And then you go, and it's every decision there. But like, you know, if we go on a vacation. It's not just going to be, all right, let's book it at this hotel. It's a conversation of what can sure. we afford? What can we budget? What can we do? If we're, take, we're sending our son to a preschool, it's, all right, how much do we want to spend? How much can we spend? So, yeah, that's part. It's not fun. It's not romantic. It's certainly not sexy, but those have to be conversations. And any successful relationship at least has that conversation where both sides of it are discussing the finances. Again, I hate those conversations. They're not fun. Yeah. They're not why you want to you you spend your free time doing, but they have to be had if you're going to actually be able to experience life together. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what's missing here is that they're not like she says, I don't want to emasculate him. I, I don't think this is an emasculating conversation. No, it's reality. I, it's reality. And also she brings up going to the parents because they ask if they need money. I don't think that's the way to go because let's start at number one and it's your business partnership, this relationship. Let's start with, hey, let's talk about our bills. Let's talk about the next year, two years, three years, four years, because she wrote something very specific in her email. Sometimes the answers are in the email. Mm -hmm. how, how do you tell your spouse he needs to step it up? Mm. That's like, so that's that's different than... 
your and, and figure out a new career path. She writes something about him being motivated. She wrote, I just want him to have the same drive as me. Here's the like when when Peter Schrager tells his story, he's telling a story where his wife is his biggest champion because you are going out there and running the race. You know, you know, like she's cheering for you in the race, not because you're on the sidelines. To me, if he's choosing a career path but not doing it, I see this all the time with comedy where people are like, oh, man, I, 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 I never get, you know, I, I'm not doing well in comedy. And then you go, well, you don't go on stage. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't under, you never write. You never put anything out there. You never commit to a plan. So, like, she, I think she needs to sit, with, like, it seems like it's twofold. You have to sit with them and just kind of like, what well, is the plan for this path the next couple of years? There's also a difference. If he's at home watching Judge Judy every day and she comes home That's after a full day and sees that, that can be demoralizing for her as well. But if he's out there at least trying and all that stuff, I, you know, I'd say cut him some slack. Well, it, 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 to me, it doesn't seem that she feels he's trying. Yes. That's my and, – and when you write step up and the dri same drive as me, that means – there's a little Judge Judy that, going and, on. And that's, and that's emasculating. If I ever heard uh, my wife or a person that I love say that, tell a stranger or send an email saying the word step oh up my about God. my, I mean, that's, that's completely destruct, destructive to my soul, you know? It, it, well, that's because you do step up, yes. you know, like that. And I, so I think she's got to sit with them. You got to say, hey, what's our plan here? Because my plan, I see us having kids. Getting a you know moving towards you should just lay out and and make it very me. I see these things happening for us, our business, our relationship. And if he's on a different page, then you have to like go okay, maybe we're not in the same relationship here. But it starts with I think the conversation starts with I need want these things to happen for our company, our mm -hmm. relationship as a company, and. What is your plan towards making those goals happen? Or how, how many of these goals of mine are crazy to you? Like, yeah. I would want to know that. Yeah. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. J Train Podcast at gmail.com here with Peter Schrager. Let's do one more. Is that cool? I would love one more. Let's go. Dude, this is fantastic. <laughs> it is such a pleasure to have you. Okay, I'm going to give you some choices. I'll give you the, the, the title choices. Ready? Yep. Husband is insecure. No. Neighbor kid nemesis. <laughs> I just can't. Lifestyle question. X doesn't uh, doesn't want to be around. J train questions. Those are the titles. Let's go with I just can't. I feel like that's the grab bag. It could be anything. Let's go. Okay, it could be anything. Here we go. It's a little bit on the longer side, but here we go. I'm in. Okay. Um, so I met a guy on an app in December 2019. We dated, and early February, he asked me to be his girlfriend. Things were great, taking things at a wonderful pace, and when quarantine hit, we decided to shack up together, which we both agreed was a bit too much too fast. We found a great balance between his place and mine. He had a car, so we were able to enjoy ourselves as best we could during lockdown in NYC. I got to say, car during quarantine, Huge. Whew, that game changer. Huge. It, so... Yeah. We had only one issue. He was still close with an ex of his Please. who I've met, tried to get closer to, but she wasn't really interested. Not in a bad way. She was never cold or mean, just uninterested. He disagreed with my issue around their friendship. It was too emotionally dependent in my eyes, but he seemed to be okay creating some space, so he said. My roommate came back to NY in June, and I didn't want to be there, both of us working from home in a small, small space. I made the decision to split my time between his place and my parents. Mm. He's not ready to move in yet, even though in the beginning of COVID, it was a very hot topic convo, of convo, looking at apartments, etc. I spent two weeks with him, and he was having a tough time telling me he needed space, even though I kept saying, remember, you can take me to my parents whenever. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it. that is a okay and it ended up coming out as a fight yep as he was dry it would it, that would be a fight with me yes to, put, yes, to yes. put me in the position where it's like I can do the no, no no make a decision or don't and let's deal with it but okay 
as he was, uh, remember, you could take me to my parents whenever, and it ended up be coming out as a fight. As he was driving me back to my parents about two hours away, we had a long talk, and he assured me he still wants to move in when my lease ends, but he's not ready yet. He, com- he comforted me, and we made plans to see each other 4th of July. We had a nice lunch with my family. He headed back to NY, and I stay, and the next two days seemed fine. He was busy with work, but we were still texting and laughing, and he called when he could. I was feeling anxious, so I requested he make some time to start making plans for the 4th of July since we'd likely have to rent an Airbnb, etc. And he said he's busy with work today and needed to focus. And I said, sure, just call when you can. When he called, he was cold. And I tried to make things less awk. And I said, so, do you want to chat about the 4th of July? He said, after the fight we had, he feels checked out and doesn't want to talk. So I Done. reacted. Done. So it's so I reacted because it hurt my feelings that maybe we should pause because I don't want to be with someone who is checked out. He said okay, and I said okay, and he said bye. <laughs> it's over. She sends seven exclamation points. Okay, so a day goes by and I didn't hear from him. I swallowed my pride and emailed him the next day, apologizing for my reaction and taking accountability for feeling anxious during an insecure. Insecure time in my life, lost my job, effing pandemic, and not providing him space during his busy week. He emailed me back saying, I took that phone call to mean breakup, and that's what I want right now. I'm sorry. I wanted this to work, but it's too much. Maybe in the future we can talk. I didn't even write back. I blocked him on Insta and did my best to care for myself. I guess I'm just like, what? Six months together isn't that long, but we experienced this pandemic. I met his whole family. He was so generous and made me feel safe during the worst months in NY. And then an email. I guess I would just like your uh, love your opinion on this. I know I probably should have requested to talk. Uh, this was June 25th. Now it might be a little late for to reach out for clarity, but like, what would I even respond to that? Like, he's obviously not a man. He's 38, too. Please redeem the male species. <laughs> oh, my God. Shrakes. What do, you, what do I, you think, buddy? I mean, there's a thing called, like, reading the tea leaves when he, yeah. you know, he's home working from home on Zoom, and he's like, I can't. I'm too busy. I can't even speak with you. That's him trying to deflect, and then obviously he's trying to be polite and defer and say, okay, we're going to rent after your lease is up. I mean, there's a lot of tell, telltale signs here. There's a lot of warning signs and red flags. And sure. it seems like this young lady wasn't looking to read into those and didn't want to believe that. But gosh, I, I mean, this, this train has left the station. We've got to move on. Let's keep going. Yeah. And, and I think like the whole idea of like, redeem, he's not a man. No, that's just, I, that's I don't, good. that's kind of, I don't, I, I think you and I, Peter, are on the same wavelength here where a lot of her email is in the, like, I, I understand she's lost her job, like, it's the pandemic, and I don't mean to come down on hard on her, because I understand her side. She's like, we're going great. So, 4th of July, are we doing the Airbnb? Yeah. Like, and it's like, there's a point where you, I think as a guy, and I've been this way, I've been in other relationships where I'm like, oh, shit, I'm on the freight train to the next phase of life, and I didn't really want to be on it. And, and he and, didn't he didn't time the pandemic to have like he he just happened to happen like he didn't plan on that that you guys would have to be living together all that happened at an accelerated pace I don't know necessarily know if he would have wanted to do that anyway yeah and and I do blame him where he's going along with like it, it is fun to be with a girl that you're into that you're you're hot on and be like yeah we'll look for apartments we'll look <laughs> at that yeah bring up Zillow maybe we'll buy a three million dollar place like this happens and I, I think it's maybe hard we'll to, like, move to Nashville yeah yeah like we should do something <laughs> let's do and, and I it's funny because I'm I, I I feel him in this email because she's like but of course and it's like there's no, and she said she lost her job. It's a pandemic. Sucks. Like, she never, she, she, it sucks. And it's also like, I'm sure he's thinking, doesn't she want to fucking slow down? You know, like, doesn't she want to find a job? Doesn't she? And I'm sure from his point of view where he's like, and, and she says, I, I, I think it's hard to hold against him. I met his whole family. He was so generous, made me feel safe. What, what was the other option to make you feel unsafe? Yeah, and to, he- you can't spite him for being a good guy during that time. He, and, and, yeah. and what I would say is this, you know, maybe enjoy the memories of what that was and not try to recapture it. It was, everyone has a different pandemic story and you actually were benefiting from the fact that there was someone you got to spend time with as opposed to being alone. It's actually nice. Like didn't work out yeah. in the end, but let's move on. I'm okay with saying that just wasn't the guy. 
Yeah, and I, I just to take her inside his head, I'm just like, there's a point where you go like, yeah, this this match has gotten ahead of me and it's not for me. And I, I, I think what you're saying is correct. Like, take the things you enjoyed about it and let's use it to rate the next guy. Yep. And also, take a moment to realize, like, you took a lot of his signals, just like Peter said, and kind of like, brushed them aside. But what about the 4th of July house? <laughs> like, like, like at that point I go, I, I do think it's okay to ask for the things you want. You wanted a trip on the 4th of July. When someone balks at that, you got to go, oh, maybe we're on different pages. Yes. Are we on a different page for this relationship? Is that something, am I too serious right now? Because I can bat, you know, or I'm at this place and maybe you need to come meet me here and maybe I need to get out of this relationship. To me, it's like, it's very much putting the breakup in his hands. Like I've I've done that thing where I'm like, "Oh, I'll just be so distant yes. that I'll that I'll get broken up with because I'm such a, a wuss." Yes, it's a very She's, it's a very I've did that tact uh, about a million times. It's I'm just going to go yeah. I'm just not going to answer texts and I'm going to go dark and then eventually you're going to get the signal and then you and it's not the right thing to do. But this guy, look, even the I'm not trying to give this guy any credit. Gosh, he's probably listening. Like these are my two biggest champions, but yeah, he, you know, a two hour drive to her parents' house. He's driving her home. I mean, that seems kind of nice too. I don't know. A lot yeah. of people would say, get on the train. Goodbye. I think, I think there's a female vert, like the male thing of like, Oh, like to back away and kind of let be, be like, are you be get a little weird until they break up with you. That that's very male to me. There's yeah. a female version of it. Where it's like I will be so on top of him with plans and weddings and 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 just assuming that you go that you're like almost like forcing him into a position to be like I don't want to do any of those fucking things with you and I don't even want to be with you and, yeah. and it's like and, and basically you're forcing him into a position and that's okay somebody might join you on it but when you go Fourth of July and house and when's the next trip and when it, it becomes like okay I'm just gonna get out of this generally and that's kind of what it feels like he did. Yeah, he pressed, the, he, pressed, he pressed control alt delete and he's out of that zone. <laughs> J Train Podcast at Jiva.com. J Train Podcast at Jiva.com. Peter Schrager, what a pleasure, man. It was awesome. It was fun. Anytime you want to talk football, we'll get that going too. We got, I would love to. I. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. So, everyone, go follow Peter at P Schrags on Twitter. It is his time of year for you to take an hour for this podcast. Like, it is really, I can't thank you enough. This is the time of year to follow Peter. Go watch Good Morning Football. What great, what, just a bright, fun show. Go watch it every morning on NFL Network. I'm Jared Freed. We are here Mondays and Thursdays. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jared Freed. I got tour dates. That's right, Philadelphia. I'm coming to you. We're adding shows. Philly, Raleigh, um, all over this great nation, jaredfreed.com, jaredfreed.com. We'll be back next episode. Boom.